Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Yo tengo casi 33 años de ser, de ser forense. Nunca había visto una, una escena así. In spring 2021, reporter Brian Avalar launched an investigation that began in the depths of a grave dug by a serial killer and ended with the government forcing him and other journalists to flee El Salvador. Sonoro and Revista Factum present Humo. Murder and Silence in El Salvador. The story behind a country where the truth and its citizens' rights are buried under the weight of power. Señor Ministro, ¿dónde está Karen y Eduardo Guerrero? ¿Dónde están mis hijos? Listen to Humo, Murder and Silence in El Salvador, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Arrived, the they found the telephone and electricity line. described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. Murder. In a small town where everyone knows everyone, it's hard to get away with anything. On April 2nd, 1924, a man named Leslie Irving was born. A man who, in 1954, terrorized a small town in southwestern Indiana where people usually left their doors unlocked and only used their guns for sport. When he was finally captured, his trial would be one to set a precedent for ensuring a fair trial especially in a time where free media and press who are desperate to get the story. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Leslie Irving's killing spree began on December 2nd, 1954, with the murder of 33-year-old Mary Holland. She was shot close range in the head while at the liquor store she and her husband owned. Leslie came into the store with the intention of robbing the place. Mary was three months pregnant at the time, making hers a double murder. On December 23rd, 29-year-old Wesley Kerr was found shot to death at the gas station where he worked. His body was found in the restroom, hands tied behind his back, with a single gunshot wound to the head. The store's register was open and empty. Police pretty quickly connected the two robberies and began the hunt for this killer. Newspapers offered a $1,000 reward, but no new information surfaced. Three months passed, and on March 21, 1955, 47-year-old housewife Wilhelmina Saylor was shot to death in her Posey County farm and discovered by her 11-year-old son when he returned home from school. She, like the others, had been shot in the head with her hands bound behind her back. Seven days later, a Henderson County, Kentucky farmer named Goble Duncan and two members of his family were killed with a single shot to the head. 
Goble, 51, Raymond Duncan, 29, and his sister-in-law, Maple Duncan, 20, were all killed. But Mamie Duncan, Goble's wife, managed to survive the shot. However, she was in critical condition for days, and when she awoke after the attack, she was blind and had no memory of the event. The other survivor of the Duncan attack was two-year-old granddaughter Shirley Fay, because, as Leslie would later tell police, he liked kids. This last murder sent this rural area into absolute panic. This was a location where many left their doors unlocked, and everyone knew their neighbors. Gun sales skyrocketed, and everyone began looking over their shoulders. But this attack also offered police with some valuable information. On the day of the murder, a dark vehicle with a battered left side and an Indiana plate was seen parked near the Duncan farm. Police kept a lookout for the vehicle and gave the description to a group called the Junior Sheriff Patrol. This was a group of young people who were formed by the county sheriff as a sort of junior police program. On March 30th, two days after the Duncan murder, eight of these boys happened across a car that looked just like the one that police were looking for. They joked about it being the murderer and pulled up near the car and shouted, quote, hey, we're investigators. The car promptly sped away, but not before one of the boys could write down the license number. The number was run and it was connected to Leslie Irving, who just happened to be on parole from the Indiana State Prison after serving nine years for burglary. He was arrested on April 8th with no issue and seven days later confessed to 24 burglaries in four southern Indiana counties and had stolen guns that were connected to the murders, as well as the murders themselves. He was charged and waited while Kentucky and Indiana fought over who would bring him to trial first. Indiana won, and he was tried for the murder of Wesley Kerr. The problem was, due to the tight-knit community, everyone knew about Leslie Irvin. Getting a fair, unbiased trial was going to be a challenge. The trial was moved to a neighboring county, but 95% of the homes in this county still received newspapers with articles about the case. Irving's counsel filed a number of motions to change the venue. All were denied. Of the 430 potential jurors, 268 were excused for having a fixed opinion about his guilt, 103 were excused based on their opposition of the death penalty, and others were excused for the standard issues. Of the 12 jurors finally selected, eight went into the trial believing that Leslie Irving was already guilty. He was, unsurprisingly, found guilty and sentenced to death. On January 20th, 1956, Leslie Irving escaped from the Gibson County Jail after making a key from the pages of books, tin foil, and glue. On February 9th, he was rearrested in San Francisco while trying to pawn off some stolen rings. When the police slapped the cuffs on his wrists, he said, I'm Leslie Irving and I'm wanted in Indiana for six murders. I've been convicted of one and I am not guilty of any. His case was eventually brought to the Supreme Court after it became clear that he was not being tried before an impartial jury. On June 1st, 1961, his conviction was reversed. It was the first state conviction to be reversed based on prejudicial publicity. His new trial started on June 13, 1962 and ended with him being sentenced to life imprisonment. Leslie Irving died in Indiana State Prison on November 9, 1983 of lung cancer when he was 59 years old. 
His case brought forth the discussion of how the press can sway a jury and its opinions. However, if a person is tried by a group of peers living in the area that the crime took place, they may have already formed their opinion of the perpetrator. Is a jury of flawed human beings, one with thoughts and opinions, really a fair way to decide a person's guilt? Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on April 3rd. Don't forget to write and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.